Hello and welcome to my second six-day compilation series of Silence. Each day over the next six days, I'm bringing you the best of some 13 hours of raw honesty and vulnerability that happens on this show. Silence is a weekly podcast and conversation between women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM. All of my guests are highly accomplished females, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. I deliberately keep their identities secret so that they have real freedom to share their experiences, wisdom and hope about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a very male-dominated world. So whatever it is you do with your own life, if you ever feel like you don't fit in or that you're in a minority in some way, you may find some inspiration here. Trust me, I was one of very few women in mechanical engineering for a number of years. I know the feeling. Have a listen to this collection of sound bites from some amazing trailblazers, and you might, just as I always do, get motivated to be the best version of yourself. Enjoy. You know, trying to think about your life and plan it out is extremely difficult. I don't think it's easy for anyone. I think it's easier to let just things happen. But when you do have that control and that kind of critical thinking where you can really speak to things and figure them out when you're talking to someone about why they should hire you and you're like synapses are firing and you're saying all the right things because you're just you're you're you know what you want um i think that's the most powerful tool that you can have when you're kind of trying to get to the place that you want to in your career i think i follow my i i have a feeling inside me that sort of says talk to that person or pursue that or you know and i and i do listen to it and i do it and um but, you know, I let my mind also come up with a logical plan. So my heart sort of says, go in that direction. And then my head figures out the path. It's learning to find that clarity and then being guided by, by you know, what you read as well. I mean, Maya Angelou is beautiful in how she says something sometimes in just one line. And she expresses a world of meaning in there. So I think all that has helped me. Or even Einstein, E equals MC squared. It's simple and elegant and beautiful. It's not like a whole whiteboard of of equations, which is what it took for him to get to that simple formula. But I think I'm I'm seeing the value of distilling distilling this down like to the essence. What is this? What do I want? Why am I frustrated? And then clear it, do something. What is the problem? Where is the pain point here with this technology and this vertical? How do I figure this out? So I think it's been a lifelong, you know, process almost. And that's where, in a way, because that's part of the reason I was drawn to social psychology is that I want to apply it to myself. And that is, I think, what generates the imposter syndrome, because you realize that the additional knowledge you're creating is a lot smaller than what you started out as. So people can often feel that the work they're doing isn't meaningful, even though it is because negative results are just as important as the positive ones. They're just not as well rewarded in the academic framework, which in itself is a whole other conversation that people should be having. Um, but also it can you know, reduce your own confidence in your work because all you see are the success stories and you compare yourself to them, but you might not see all of the failure that's behind that success. Um, and I think that was something I found myself struggling with a lot during my PhD. I always felt I was further <clears throat> I was further behind what I 
expected from my own high standards, which made me feel like I wasn't very good at what I was doing. Even though in practice, now that I'm, you know, towards the end and talking to other people, I realize that everyone else has the same problems. Other people procrastinate, other people worry about whether the work they're doing is meaningful or not. Everyone has had failed experiments, but obviously what they post on social media, what they tell others when you ask in passing how they're doing is, you know, the paper they published or the successful thing that they did achieve, but without talking about all the other things that didn't go as well. I think it's, I think it's maybe the lack of, maybe the lack of just choosing one specific thing. I've kind of like created my world in the way that I would like it to be. I mean, I did weird things before and I, I like, that's probably why I said I'm a weirdo. Like I remember I made this like coyote hat when I was younger. I was like, I was like 18 when I did it and I'll just wear it around. And everyone was like, why are you wearing that weird hat? It's, it's like a giant coyote head made out of, it looked like kind of like a Muppet thing. And, that I would, and I was just like, I don't know. I just feel like this is me now. And I feel like you guys have to accept it. Yeah. But, and, and I think that might be seen as showboating or something, but I truly was like, I believe in this right now and I need to just go. I don't know why, but I'm doing it. Feels right. Um <laughs> Well, the fishbowl narrows, right? You know, so some deep in the depths of third or fourth year when you're really in the dark times and everyone that you interact with either has a PhD or is in the pursuit of a PhD. And you begin to think that if you fail out of your program, you will be the only person in the world that doesn't have a PhD and you are going to fail life. You know, and there's all of these insecurities and, you know, all of these questions that you have about the narrative that you've always told yourself, you know, oh, I'm good at science, I'm going to be a doctor, and then maybe that's not true. And, you know, I think end of third year, early fourth year is like really the dark times. That's what I'll, I'll, I'll help them the most with is how to be strategic. Yes, women are talked over. Yes, we are overlooked um, at times. And so knowing that there's real bias out there, you know, rather than go victim to it, I have to make empowering choices for how I can be successful in that environment. I mean, completely, because, you know, I had to, I relied on myself. I can honestly tell you that nobody helped me at all. Um, It was um you know this isn't to sound arrogant honestly um but I didn't have any I didn't have any support or help from anybody so it's completely shaped um where I am now who I am what I'm doing now and it gives me immense pleasure when I'm able to help somebody else and I I judge a, a good supervisor as somebody who when you come out of their office you feel better than when you went in and I think that's really important when you're young to have somebody supportive and I recognized when I when I um, was looking for a supervisor that I could I could work with this person that he was a kind person and that he would um, he very 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 eminent scientist uh, but that he uh, had the sort of approach that um, would would nurture and 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 encourage me and he did you know all my life practically he um he was always there for me if I had any difficulties. I would 
you know, turn to him and have a bit of a moan, and he'd say, "Never mind, let's 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 you know, let's deal with that, let's move on." So I think that that's really important to have those those sorts of people in your life. And I, I'm pretty sure that you know, it's just like. Oh, just thinking about moving through my career and and the times that I didn't like negotiate my salary because I thought that you couldn't or I was told that you couldn't when you definitely always can. And these just you hear about other women going through this time where it's like we always underbid for jobs and we always kind of we fall into these strange statistics that I just I want that to be different and I want to I I know it's again, like kind of in a, in a utopia to think everything is going to change so quickly. But I think if one at a time, we kind of take the time to evaluate and try to make these small changes. And it's hard. It's hard to get the confidence to be like, you know what, actually, I'm worth a lot more than this. Because for many people, they're afraid that they're just going to lose their job if that happens. And that's very much a reality a lot of the time too. And that's terrifying. And I just... um it angers me that that exists. You know, I, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish that um, everyone could feel like they could just walk up into an office and say, this is what I want. I'm indisposable. And, you know, this is what you're going to give me. And they say, yes. Yeah. The, this whole movement where women are speaking up, like I never had a voice. I could never speak up about any kind of assault or, um, you know, even just discrimination. That wasn't something that was possible when I was growing up. It, it just wasn't listened to. There was no forum for that. There was no um, there was no one who cared. It was right like you you were assaulted in a hotel or whatever. I mean wherever. And I had one experience where I was really like really badly physically assaulted in an elevator, and I had no one to tell. Like there wasn't anyone who would listen. The police didn't care. You know, it was like the kind of thing where you just didn't feel like you had an outlet for it. And now, if you can and and people will listen and, and not judge you, that is like an incredible shift. Um, I remember early on sort of looking up to my parents. But then I remember, I think, you know, when I was about, I think about 12 onwards, I just started questioning them and the answers that would come back, I just didn't feel was logical or rational. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I remember, for instance, my mother saying something about the superiority of Muslims. And I remember saying to her, well, if that's the case, then why is it that they're the lowest performing countries in the in the world in terms of economics? And, and even back then, I used to read quite widely. And I remember, you know, we used to study geography and history and, you know, you'd open all these books and it was always the poor countries or Muslim or, you know, African. And I said, well, you know, if, if that's the case, if they're so superior. And I remember being sort of 12 and, and, she, and then she said, well, it's because it's a test. It's a test from God. And I said to my mother, and I remember the conversation and I said to her, well, I just think that's an easy cop out. That's an easy excuse. And, you know, if it's a test from God, then that means that they're failing. And if they're failing, that means that they're not superior. And then I remember getting a slap for answering back. And I remember thinking, okay, well, she doesn't really have the answers. So I need to go out into the world and get the answers for myself. I find actually by um, having a voice, it doesn't always mean being popular, but it does actually make an impact and in and sort of um, helps other people. Or like maybe lack of... Um 
lack of caring about what other people think in that specific moment. Cause I'm sure people thought I was psychotic or something, but I was, but if you talk to me and I didn't even specifically have a reason, I don't know. I just was like, this is how I feel. Um, cause I think we should use that, that kind of same, I don't know, the same, the same thing we do when we're kids where we do weird stuff. And, and I know a lot of people talk like that, but we grow up and we forget about that as a possibility. I have to remind myself when I'm like stressed out and angry at something or other that happened during the day. And it's like, it blocks so many things, but just being a little weird for a second, you're like, oh, okay, I'm back. <laughs> a lot of people get pressured and the fears of the family and everything kind of infect you. Mm. And we had our moments like that where, you know, because dad was ill and then mom was worried and suddenly everyone's telling her you got to get these girls all married off because you know my god but you stuck to your guns right you... yeah that's when luckily that stubborn mule came out and i'm like no 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 but you know i don't know where i got it from but i'm so glad i had it because i know a lot of people who would succumb to you know those kinds of pressures and then lose their voice and or even with their husband, they, they become secondary. Actually, I think that the other inspirations came from other women role models in the lab. There's not so many of them. But early on, when I was doing my undergraduate research, there was a lab manager who I really respected as a scientist and as a woman. And she managed to balance both. She was um, from the Czech Republic and just kind of had this amazing style. And she could knock one back with the boys at the bar in the evening and also sort of keep them in line in the lab and like crush them with her technical skill um, during the day. And she was just sort of everything to me. So I wanted to be her when I grew up. <laughs> Courage and confidence are two separate things. And I think I used to wait for the confidence to show up before I would take the action. And what I actually found, especially after that conversation was, yeah, I was terrified to have that conversation, but I, my feet took me to have it anyway. And after I did it and I got the green light, I felt more confident and I realized, wow, you just have to show up in spite of your fear and, and just do it anyway. And then the confidence comes after you take the action. And so th that's something I think that um, uh, females could definitely do more of. If you know that someone else has gone through the same thing, it makes it that little bit easier for you to do it. The inclination is to just be like, I'm just being oversensitive, right? I think that everyone's gone through this kind of, I just have to realize that this is, is probably not them, but then certain things happen and you're like, huh, I don't think that I'm, I think I'm being talked to like this because of my gender. Um, so when I started noticing these things more heavily, especially where I am currently, I, I would internalize it and I would just like, feel very sad. And then I think at this point, I just in the moment will say something like this feels very gendered to me is a phrase that I have said several times in the past two weeks. I mean, I, I found that particularly in fabrication and in industrial work like that, like everyone was constantly surprised that first of all, wait, you, you can learn how to weld. 
I'm like, wait, yes, welding is not complicated. You just have to learn it. It's like a skill like anything else. And I enjoyed maths and I just enjoyed the absolute simplicity and beauty of, um, you know, of, of looking at problems where the answer is not subjective. It's just, it's quite binary. You've either got it right or wrong. Um, so, so the purity of maths, I thought was fascinating. I, I love statistics. I thought statistics was fascinating. I thought there were stories within statistics, especially when you start looking at statistics of human behavior and population and, and how that data then throws um, qualitative um, analysis and much more meaningful than, again, an opinion coming out of, you know, sort of layers and layers of bias. Um, I, 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 I think that there's an absolute purity to maths and, um, and data and, and statistics. And of course, you know, it is a minefield in terms of um, how you, you know, create these, um, you know, these quantitative studies and how you extrapolate conclusions. But I just felt it was a much more sound foundation um, than other forms. So I, I've always had a, a great love for maths and, and data. Yeah. And you really see that in startup world. So um, most of the women who are running tech startups that I've met, they've not done it because they were coders who wanted to come up with an idea and build a piece of software. They've done it because they've come across a, a problem in their own lives um, or they've seen a, a problem and they want to solve it and tech is the tool that they use to do that. So they've therefore learned about tech. And I think that's one of the reasons they're so successful. You know, they the innovation happens in cross sections. And so I'm sitting there with the 71% on this test and just thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not smart enough to do this. Maybe I'm not smart enough to be, be a physics major. And I remember there was a guy sitting next to me and he got a 70% or, you know, this is basically the same grade I did. And he was like, oh, it was just a really hard test, you know, it's just, you know, and he just brushed it off. Like it, he didn't, he wasn't internalizing it. Like he was this huge failure um, as I had, as I was. And, uh, and so I, I tried to, t you know, take on that attitude that he had and just be like, no, we just have to study harder. It's, you know, it's okay. Um, and, you know, eventually I ended up working with, uh, different people and going into office hours and, you know, uh, pulled my grade up to an A by the end of the semester. But by the end of that semester, there were only 17 people total left in the class. So started with 50 and only two of us were women. So the rate of dropping of that class by women was so much greater than by, <laughs> by the men. Um, and I think probably a lot of the women had that same thought that I did, like, oh, I'm not smart enough for this. My first job out of graduate school in architecture, I really settled for the first thing that came my way. Instead of being thoughtful and identifying what I wanted to do and really going after it and being a little more patient and finding that thing. Like, let's just practice. Since we're going to practice interviewing, we're going to practice negotiating, we're going to practice asking questions. And that stuff is just, it goes such a long way in success, towards success. So I sort of stumbled into it. I really wanted to be an astronaut, and that was just driven by watching Carl Sagan and Cosmos and being inspired by all of that beauty of the universe. Plus, I think I like the abstractness that physics has, so I kind of went into physics initially as my degree. Uh, I was a bit miserable there, too, because, you know, I had these teachers and 
who were not the most forward looking in terms of what I wanted to do. They were more about the mechanics of the physics itself. And, and then I kind of got interested in software. So I went off and pursued another degree in, you know, computer software engineering, because that was exciting. You could do a lot and you could be a little creative with software. I think I wanted to bring a little bit of that into my life too. So I become very aware when people do have preconceived ideas of what boxes people should fit in. Because, you know, nowadays I find that people are surprised to learn that I've done a PhD or that I've been in a field that involves engineering. So there's still clearly those judgments present. It's almost like people don't expect me to have achieved a lot academically or to be intelligent or to be things that clearly they personally haven't associated with women and I'm a lot more sensitive to that now than I would have been a few years ago. I think that it's sad if someone's in a situation where they don't feel they belong or they feel that other people feel they're different and they don't belong and it it's unfortunate if people are not accepting of of everybody whoever they are whatever they are what you know whether they're male female or whether they're gay or you know what nationality they are it's it's a pity if if uh, they're not accepted for who they are because i think the most important thing is just to be who you are you know not to try and uh, adapt to some other model that other people think you should be no i just like being able to explain stuff that i i have really strong feelings about agency and being in control of myself and having mastery in this world and in my environment and i find that knowledge and literacy in stem concepts has definitely helped me feel like i was making more empowered and informed decisions in my own life um and the idea that you can actually discover new things that can help other people understand the world and like have a little piece of that giant pool of knowledge that scientists contribute to that's yours was really attractive and exciting. But I can also understand how valuable it, it, it would be for someone to work with someone like yourself who is willing to protect their identity because they are fearful or worried about not being able to be open for the fear of being un- unpopular. No, I'm afraid I didn't have that experience. No, I, I think, as I say, I was a bit of a tomboy, but that didn't mean to say that when I grew up, I didn't, I, you know, when I was when I was older. No, I, I, I absolutely felt very feminine. I, I never, never attempted to not be feminine in the in the company of men. And they, you know, as I say, they we got on as as friends. But, you know, I, 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 I think as a as a as an adult, I was always I would regard myself as quite feminine I never um I never related to other people in the other way yeah I think you know the only constant in life is change and you know friends come and go sometimes partners come and go you know even children they're with you intensely attached to you and then even they detach um because they need to go out into the world and forge their own life. And, you know, one shouldn't be selfish with children and sort of want to keep them, you know, tied to their apron strings. So I think the the key is really independence. And I think for women, the key is really economic empowerment. That And that's what gives you your independence. A lot of women are tied to situations 
or men because of the financial dependence. Um, I think we are lucky to be in this society than a lot of the other countries around the world. Women have a lot more rights. They have a lot more opportunities open to them. Um, we're not quite like the Nordic societies, but um, you know, I think we're the next best thing in this society. And we're heading in the right direction. And I think I should have picked my battles more carefully. And I think that if I was a man, I don't think I would necessarily be saying that. Because I think people are much more accepting of aggressive men in business. Oh, he's aggressive because he's aggressive. He's a man. Oh, she she's aggressive. Oh, yeah. Well, she's probably overcompensating and she's somebody's probably got her back up or something. I think women should be feminine and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we've seen with the hashtag, I look like an engineer, yeah. if you're familiar yeah. with that one. Yeah. That was fabulous. And, and be yourself. I think that's the really good. You can do that. But watch for these things. Watch for somebody diminishing a little bit of your work and Definitely do not let yourself be, you know, professionally disrespected because sometimes that happens too. Oh, yeah, whatever. She's nice. So she gets along with all these colleagues. Excuse me. She makes the effort to do it, right? She makes the effort to get the job done despite maybe this colleague is difficult or mm. whatever. And it's, it's from that fight. It's from the fight to be included and to have just the same as the men and just the same as the boys and to participate in exactly the same way. And it's an interpretation of equality, meaning we have to be like them in order to be equal. And some gener some of the like older generation of scientists made that decision, but not all. Um, and I'm hoping that the younger generation knows better. We seem with today's gig economy and people having diverse interests and that being cool. Um, I'm hoping that you see more of the multi multifaceted nature of scientists and everyone always says, Oh, go back to Leonardo da Vinci. And he was an artist and an engineer and a philosopher and all of these things. So we used to accept the scientific mind, the inquisitive mind, the curious mind that wanted to explore the world and allow it any medium it wanted for expression. So why do we force it to be siloed now? And I don't have an answer for that. Because if you don't see someone who's like you doing what you would like to be doing, then you don't associate it with something that a person like you would do. And that can create a feedback loop in itself. I think sometimes we strive for perfection and it might hold us back sometimes. I've certainly seen that. Maybe it's a function of, you know, well, it is changing now. More girls are playing team sports. But, you know, one of the things I learned from playing video games was how to fail um, and uh, how to learn how to how to learn how to win the game by failing over and over again. You know, so you kind of that fear of failure, especially if you iterate quickly, you know, that's the beauty about tech is uh, in these STEM related um, industries is that, you know, it's a process of experimentation and trying things out, you know, and so there's, there's margin for error there. And especially if you can get in and out of things quickly to find out that they don't work, uh, you know, it makes jumping in, 
uh, or that leap of faith a, a little bit easier to just investigate. You know, it's more a curiosity, right? The reaction that a lot of the women that I have worked with, um, they either stay and just, you know, they say this is what it is and they feel helpless in the situation or they just leave. Um, I think that's more of like kind of the younger women that I've worked with. You know, they say, all right, well, um, if this is how it is here, if this is the culture, I'm just going to go ahead and move on. Things that don't work out, that happen to you, terrible things might happen to you. But if you get through those things, you are a stronger person and you can empathize uh, with with other people. And that's a very, uh, that's a fantastic, that's what we need in this world. We, we need people who can be tolerant and who can empathize with each other. Uh, we don't need people to tell us, you have to be this, you have to do that. This is the only way. This is the right way. You know, that's that's not uh, that's not what we need at the moment. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of my of my children. Indeed, I am. Yeah. And um, they've 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 had advantages in 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 my career in the sense that they've traveled quite a lot with me when I've when I've been to overseas, when I've been to conferences, they've they've traveled with me and, you know, had a good time. So they've been to see quite a few places. So, you know, they've um, they've had advantages as well. And um, yeah, uh, as, as well as having to put up with you know parents who may be busy quite a lot of the time i think that's one of the things as as academics or in that world you tend to be quite busy so you tend to be a little bit preoccupied some of the time and um but i've i as i say i've i've made the effort to try and engage with the children as best i can and, and of course i love them dearly negotiate what you deserve and and ask for ask for it um uh don't wait for people to grant it to you and to acknowledge how great you are. You're going to have to tell them that you deserve it. Even if you don't believe it, just practice it and fake it and show up and do it. <laughs> do it anyway. You know, don't listen to your head. Be louder than your fear and do it anyway. That's all for today. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow for more from the rest of silence.